Yo. You, you, you are now listening to the smoking section. Oh, yeah. Or you'll find hot topics. And fire conversations. Keep it locked. Hear me? Alright. Well, again, thank you guys for doing the smoking section with me. My This podcast is, you know, it's been a huge project for me. And to be able to sit with you two and be able to do this um, is really humbling. So for everybody who's watching, this is Scott and Renee. Um, they are two wonderful gentlemen who are coming to spread some words for you guys. Um, if you guys would like to introduce yourself, um, we can start with you, Renee. And then uh, we'll get to you next, Scott. Okay. Right, cool. My name is Renee Sinisaros. I'm affiliated with Channel Islands 214. And I'm also part of Newport Mesa 604. I'm a tattoo artist by trade and a mason by night. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Scott. Scott. Yeah, I'm Scott Neese. Originally from Northern California, moved down here about 10 years ago and transferred my membership from a lodge where I did all three degrees in Freemasonry up there many years ago. Uh, Moved down here and affiliated with Channel Islands Lodge, number 214 here in Ventura, California. And a few years after that, I was elected to be secretary of the lodge. Did that for about five years. And um, I'm sitting elsewhere in other uh, positions at the lodge now, but I've really enjoyed everything. And I've made some of the best friends of my life through masonry, especially in this lodge. Yes. Shout out Channel Islands Lodge of, of, you know, of California. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to meet you through Lodge 341. Um, and so for people who might be watching and who watch later, listen later, we are specifically talking about Freemasonry, um, lodge and the lodge numbers is, um, is, is kind of how people identify where they're at or where they're from. Um, and so as you guys already know, yeah, um, I'm super curious. Scott has, Scott, me and Scott met a few months ago as I started coming around and, um, and I'm, I'm extremely, extremely curious um, of, you know, I've, I've, I've paid my dues. I'm open about it. I'm extremely open about it. You know, um, I've paid my dues, everything. And, and, and I'm, I'm trying to be one myself. Um, so Scott, if you would like to go ahead and lead off, I, my, my big question, and I'm, I'm hoping one that people can kind of hear out is, is what brought, especially you two to Freemasonry and what, what, cause we all know the cloud that surrounds it, but what specifically brought you two guys into Freemasonry and what? What keeps you there? Cool. That's a good question. So many years ago as a, as a young child, <clears throat> we lived across the street from my dad's brother, my uncle and his wife and his kid. And my uncle uh, used to throw a lot of parties, had a lot of social activities, met with friends that he made through business and this thing called Lodge. And being as young as I was, I didn't really know what that was. And it didn't matter to me even when I was younger. But my uncle was a very loving, wonderful, great just very giving person. So, and everybody liked him. And I got to meet a lot of his buddies who later I found out were lodge member lodge members. Um, so I grew up with a lot of uh, kind of extended friends through my uncle through that. And unfortunately, of course, as years went on, my uncle passed away and I knew he was a Shriner and a lodge member a Freemason. And he was very popular and, and very well liked in that community. And I thought I'd check out the potential for some sort of family legacy, say, through this. 
So I emailed the Grand Lodge of California and just said, hey, I'm interested. Here's my uncle's name and I'm his nephew. And if somebody could write me back or talk to me sometime, tell me more about it. Sent off the email, forgot about it for, I don't know, I'm kind of guessing, maybe a couple months. And one day I was sitting home alone. My kids were in school and uh, I heard this knock on the door. I'm like, nobody ever knocks on my door in the late morning. Who could that be? Anyway, so answered the door, and here's this cute little old man, skinny, standing there with this uh, file folder underneath his arm, and I thought maybe he was trying to sell something or maybe even lost. And I said, can I help you? And he told me his name, and he said, I'm one of your uncle's good friends through Lodge, and we hear that you want to become a member. And I was really surprised on this kind of cold call. I didn't think that's how it would happen at all. So total sincere surprise. Anyhow, I said something probably off color, and I said, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, you know, little old man was like a little put off by that, but then he smiled, and he says, you know what? I'm like, what? He's like, we've been waiting for you. And I went, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) And he laughed. (laughs) Anyhow. So he's like, no, I'm serious. Uh, your uncle and I go back about 40 years, and uh, I've been there through him and supported him in his journey in Freemasonry, and he's done the same for me. We've been Shriners together, and he went on a little bit of an explanation at my doorstep, and I invited him in. So as he sat in there, I thought I'd more or less get the info about what it takes to become a member, but he really wasn't kidding. They'd been waiting for me for some reason, and I didn't know what that meant, and it, I think it had to do simply locally from where I lived, I was one of the only other male family members in in the county. And Freemasonry likes to extend a sense of familyhood with their kids, their wives, uh, their extended family. And I kind of got the feeling that they were hoping that someone else from my uncle's side of the family may join. So when I sent that email, like I said months earlier, it was nice to know that they took it seriously and they're very curious about me. And while they're being polite and saying, we've been waiting for you, I think it kind of meant something deeper for even my uncle's lodge brothers to know that one of his nephews was interested. So it was very humbling and it felt good. So Gene was his name who showed up at my house. He sat down in my chair and started interviewing me for the process and he had the application. So I filled it out. And about a month later, I was uh, given a another letter that came in the mail saying they've accepted my application and voted on my membership, and I'm allowed to become a Freemason to be initiated, as we call it, if I'm still interested, because it's always up to you. They don't solicit anything. They don't go out and ask you to become one. You've got to come from your own free will and accord, as we say. So, of course, I called the secretary of uh, my uncle's lodge, and then I said, yes, I'm very interested, and what do I do now? He said, Dress up nice on this night. Come at this time. Uh, please come alone because it's your initiation. So I did. So when I showed up that night, I dressed in a nice suit. Excuse me. It's the beer. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> showed up that night and uh, went through the process. And at one point of being initiated, um, one thing, you can't see what's going on around you, so you have to rely on other senses, the other 
senses out of your, uh, you're, you're just blinded, in, in other words, or hoodwinked, as we call it. Anyway, I was beginning to hear somebody else's voice as they're approaching me and started telling me things. And I'm like, I know this voice. I know this voice. He had a very distinct voice. Anyway, he went on his role at the ceremony. And at one point, my blindfold comes off. And the person who's the master that night initiating me used to be my little league coach. Oh, so wow. it was really cool. And I haven't seen him since I was a young boy. And I, I didn't get initiated into masonry until my 30s. So I haven't seen him in almost two decades, right? So that was really cool, too. And then after the whole ceremony, my initiation, other fellows um, came to me in the dining room afterwards and congratulated me. They started telling me these really sweet stories. They had memories of my uncle and his wife, my aunt, and my cousin, his son, and my mom and my dad, who knew my uncle through or knew my parents through my uncle. And it just felt like I was in some way home or at least very deeply accepted. Very personal for me, and uh, not everybody has that experience entering Freemasonry. So I felt blessed, and I wanted to share that with other people. Meaning, the experience you have when you come through Lodge and you're first initiated, I'd really like the new initiates to feel like they're welcome, they're family, we trust them. You're one of us, not that you're separate from anything else in life, but you're a member of our Lodge. And I think that's very important for someone to say, you know, I've spent this money, dedicated this time, I'm going to do something I've never done before. So when it's done and you're offered this sense of friendship, it really means a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I have definitely, I, I mean, even showing up to Oxnard and, and, you know, even though your home lodge is Chem Islands, you know, I met you in Oxnard and, and even just meeting you and some of the guys from over there, it's I, I feel welcomed even by them and then in, and definitely by like Mark and all the guys there right, right there in Austin. Um and I've I, I don't know, like it's it's been it's been a weird feeling, feeling welcomed amongst other men who are you know, they're they're strangers to you at first, but then sure. you start to get to know them, you know, and then you get to know them and you realize like, man, you guys are you guys are like, you know, for lack of better words, I guess it's fucking really rad dudes. You know, you guys are a bunch of really rad guys. Like, they really chill and, and honest and keep promises. You know what I mean? Um, but that's yeah. cool. That's, uh, and, and Renee, and how about, how about for yourself? What was, what was your journey like and how did you get started in, into the, to the journey of Freemasonry? Um, so I'm 41. How old are you, Scott? I'm 53. So we're like taking it apart. So there's like a lot happened. <laughs> Uh, not joking, I always tell people that it's funny that, you know, my first approach to any Freemasonry is I would I'm a first Freemason in my family in the United States. I have family in Mexico that they're Freemasons. So growing up, I would always see the symbols. <clears throat> Never really caught my eye too much until I saw the Simpsons episode of the Stone Cutters. And then uh, I got interested in it. You know, I, I, from that point where I was asking, you know, my grandfather and my uncles that they were Masons, I'm like, oh, like, what's up with this? And I'm like, oh, you know, we'll tell you about it when you're older, when you're older. <clears throat> so fast forward a few, you know, years, my grandmother died. And my uncle that was there, and he had a ring. And I'm like, yo, I'm really interested now about your ring. And he's all like, well, 
you know, tell me where you live, you know, and then our world bodies are there, and I'll write them a letter. So we wrote them a letter, sent it in, and then kind of almost like Scott, like, you know, I got somebody responding to me, and then I went in, I met him, and it was, it was good, you know, I felt at home, like, immediately, there's, like, two brothers right away that are really opening, <clears throat> um, you know, I first was scared, because I'm heavily tattooed, I don't know if you can tell, but. Uh, I was always like freaking out because in Mexico is a little bit different than the United States, and I kind of always had this preconception that like you know you had to be like non-tattooed, non-threatening looking. And uh, the first day I get there, I meet uh, my brother Aaron, and that guy was fully covered in tattoos, and he was super, you know, super nice. He was really welcoming. He started talking to me, and then we found out that we have a lot of the same love in hip hop and punk, and and I was, you know, it was a beautiful thing. Like I felt at home. Fast forward a few years later, um, I ended up moving to where I'm at now in Ventura County. And uh, my wife at the time, she was my girlfriend, had posted a picture of me and my ring was shining. And Mark from your lodge had commented, oh, your, your man has a cool ring. So I ended up Mark talking to Mark and he's all like, bro, we're going to go see the Dead Kennedys, which is a punk band. And I'm like, bro, I'm going to the same concert. So we ended up hanging out, and that's how I met Brother Ryan, uh, Rodrigo, Mark, and it, it felt like we were just good friends for a long time. And through this journey, you know, like, I've met a lot of like-minded people that aren't necessarily, you know, I love Scott, but he's, like, super clean cut, and I'm not. <laughs> he holds up <laughs> He holds up really well. But seeing that diversity, you know, and that we have, you know, I, I love this man to death, and I mean, like, we're best friends, brothers, you know what I mean? So it, it, it feels good to, to belong to something that's that strong, you know, where we don't see color lines, you know, we accept you even if you're different. That that makes, I think, mainstream more beautiful is that we all come in all shapes, sizes, colors, creeds. Um, mm -hmm. And and being a tattoo artist also, I started meeting more and more tattoo artists that were also Freemasons because our crafts kind of have a lot of the same things, like you're an apprentice, your fellow craft and then your master tattoo artist also. So it, it resonates a lot, you know, not just necessarily in, in Freemason, but it, it's an offset aspect of my life. It comes fruition in its full circle. And like it's nice seeing a lot of the younger crowd. I don't know, how old are you? I'm twenty-eight. See that's that's awesome, man. It's like we want to make sure that this legacy continues and bringing, you know, young people like yourself that that, you know, have a preconception of what it is, and then you meet people like me and Scott and Ryan, and, and it's they, they're like, Oh my god, I never thought it was gonna be like that. I'm like, Well, it is, <laughs> so yeah, because really, even for myself, like I remember, I remember the first day walking, this was like two, had to be right before COVID, so about two, about two and a half years ago, when I first walked through the door, um, uh, Francis, Francis was master of Oxnard, if I remember correctly, yeah, um. And I remember he asked us, he's like, so what brought you guys here? Because I know you guys saw the YouTube videos. I was like, yeah, dude, I have. I've seen all of them. Like, I know I've seen all of them at least three times. Like, Jesus Christ. But it was like, you know, I am curious. You know, I am curious about what goes on here. Like, like you know, people don't get into punk music or, or heavy metal because there's a preconceived notion of what that is. But it's like, dude, yeah. it's really tight music if you listen to it. Like, you want to work out, bro? This is the perfect music, you know? <laughs> so, so why not go to a place where, you know, supposedly these are high-level individuals, you know, people who help other people become better. 
they're a secret society type of thing. Like, why, well, why not go? Why not go there? Why not go check it out, dude? See what's really going on. And then yeah. when I met Mark and I met, um, matter of fact, uh, Levi was was hmm. petitioning at, at the same time as I was. Right. Um, and it was it was cool. It was cool to it was cool to see to see normal like normal people like they're normal. Yeah. They're not like no, dude. We don't burn steaks here at this place, bro. Like we sit around yeah. and talk. You know, at least for me and, and the the guys outside the doors. You know, we sit around and talk and and bullshit and you know learn yeah. about each other. You know, you, you learn about their daughter or you know my son and my my stuff going on with my son or the stuff that they have with their baseball team or their their clothing business or whatever they're doing, you know, it's, it was, yeah. it's been cool. It's been cool to be around, to be around at all. Um, and so, and so let me bounce back over to you, Scott. Okay. So what would you say is something that, you know, cause you've, you've been dedicated for so long. Like, what do you, what would you consider to be those driving factors to keep you, to keep you going, you know, to keep you, to keep you active in the in the in the brotherhood because there's people who aren't aren't as active as freemasons that i've realized they're mm -hmm. not as active but what mm -hmm. keeps you active what keeps you showing up the friendships and the super solid you know we anybody who researches masonry at all online or has seen certain you know television shows or movies those that we go through these ceremonies right they've seen the depictions of those on shows or the, the youtube videos like i said and during that process, we make obligations, okay? So as an initiate, I make an obligation. And those obligations, the other people who are already members have made too. And as I'm deciding these things, you're told that everybody go, goes through this. And these are really cool promises you make, not only to the other brothers, but to yourself, to your family, to your friends, and to the world. They're very high in morals and values. And it was true. I mean, these aren't empty promises. These are people that you can trust. Now, before being a Freemason, I had lots of friends, high school, outside of school, coworkers, great people. But we never promised these things to each other, you know? And I can rely on Brene or Ryan who's sitting off screen here or anybody else here that I'm tight with in this lodge to care for me if something happens to me, to care for my children, my parents. They'll wash over my finances. They'll wash my car, anything. They'll take care of my pets because we love one another. And we've made these promises and they're real. Who wouldn't come back to that and stay active? I mean, there, there's certain things that take men away from masonry. That could be their own personal family um, emergencies. That could be work, that could be education, that could be relocating out of the area that's fine but we still hold those promises sacred no matter where they are if they called and needed something we're there as much as we can that's what keeps me coming back and renee what about you and what about yourself <laughs> um yeah man just the brotherhood it's it's phenomenal you know um we've all gone through our ups and downs and you know, one time, like my lowest point was, you know, I was getting divorced, you know, na na like nasty custody battle. And I didn't go to lodge for a while. And then I would start having brothers message me like, bro, are you okay? And I'm like, I really don't want to talk about it. And then they started showing up and then trying to cheer me up. 
And, you know, like I had family members that weren't even doing that. You know what I mean? So it, it, it started meaning a lot more. And then, like, like Scott says, you know, like, we have the saying, like, our brother's keeper. And, you know, they, they really, we look out for each other. Like, I got, you know, I have a clothesline company that's all Masonic affiliate, like, Masonic, you know, inspired stuff. And I got brothers from all over the country, like, buying my stuff. And, like, we talk. And then it's like we're best friends. Like, it's a best friend that I've never met. Like, I'm pretty sure me and you will have a lot more in common than you think. And and that, to me, is, like, amazing, dude. Just, like, uh, one, one point of example is, like, uh, I go to Disneyland a lot. When me and my me and my wife used to have passes, we used to go and I would wear a hat or a pin, and then some brother would come up and talk to me, and then like my wife's like, "You know him?" I'm like, "No," but we're brothers, and right. we've all done the same rituals to become a rat, so we already have that in common. And uh, another thing too is pretty cool is like you know, I tell my wife, I'm like, everything that George Washington did to become a Freemason, I had it. And like, there's that, there's that connection. There's like that little thread, you know, that keeps us all together. And knowing that you've gone through the same thing that I think, I think brings a bond that that makes me want to keep coming back. Um, at, at some times, you know, like any family, we have disagreements, but I think that we're all grown men and we all learn how to discuss it uh, and and overcome it and, and and come out even stronger sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, Scott didn't go this year, but we went to San Francisco and. We met brothers that we've never met. It was just through all mine. And then greatest bond, greatest time, created some great memories. And now we're like hanging out all the time. So I think to me that that's what keeps me coming back. And it's amazing. You know what I mean, like Scott said, I have plenty of friends, but none of us have made that oath. And like, we feel safe. You know what I mean? Like I could leave my kids with anyone. Like if I had some problems, I could call them like, yo, dude, like my car broke down. Can you come help me? And like, Without a doubt, without, you know, they, they show up. And I do the same. Yep. So yeah. it's pretty much like a gang. We're a gang. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't stab or do drive-bys, right? There was a thing of being your brother's keeper. Now, that that is one. And then also saying, like, being able to leave your kids with these people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're... Yep. And, and the way that you address it is like your brothers. You can you can leave my I can leave my kids with my brothers right here. Like that takes a lot for me. Like I'm a I'm a single right. dad. You know the whole crazy all of the whole five. You know, yep. and I bring my son around much, and yeah. he'll sit down and eat and hang around and run around and play. And and everybody who knows me knows I don't bring my son nowhere. Like if yeah. I can't go there, if I shouldn't be there, my son's not going to be there. Yeah. So. And so when I bring him there and, and I feel safe and he runs around and he's playing with other kids that show up sometimes or he's eating dinner and it, it and I can I can see that I can see that um, the camaraderie, the camaraderie that can keep you keep you coming back and the idea of tradition, you know, that's that's been the biggest thing for me is, is, you know, there's a tradition here, you know, there's a certain process. You gotta, you gotta make your bones, man. You gotta make your bones. You gotta put in your time, put in your effort, you know, and get close. Good. Yeah, there, there's some dudes, not going to lie, they're just cloud chasers and going to that status, but then there's people like, you know, us that, but we're, we're diehard. Um, you know, I have two boys, dude, they're 13 and 14, and I want to have the best example for them, and if they're not going to get it from me, they'll get it from one of my brothers. 
And we were actually just talking about this for dinner. Like, you know, if anything happens to me, like, I want you to, like, I know that they'll be there for my boys to, you know, help them along the way. So that, that's, that's super rad, dude. That's like, yep. it's not to sound corny, but that's beautiful, man. Like, that's that power that this has. And it's, it's taken a lot. And I've got three daughters, and they love coming to Lodge. They love all my friends. I can leave them here. If I needed to, if I had to come to Lodge and bring them, I'm a single dad too, right? But if I had to leave for some reason for a couple hours and they couldn't come with me, I know they'd be in great hands. I could leave my wallet full of money on a table inside my Lodge. When I came back, every single dollar would be there. Mm-hmm. You know? And I've done that. I've left my. You know, we're eating dinner together, and my wallet's out, my phone's out, and it's right here on the table, dude. I'm not even tripping. You know, it's nope. like I and me, and I'm not even a member yet. You know, it's, it's, right. I'm just here hanging out, dude. But I feel that I, I can feel it off of everybody. There's no ill will towards each other. There's, and there was something like of, uh, Renee, you said it. It's like we're we're all men here. You know, like we can work this out, bro. Like if we have some kind of disagreement or something, like we can work it out. Like, dude, you don't have to steal from me, bro. You can just ask me for it. Yeah. Like, right. You know, you don't have to steal from me. Dude. Just ask me for the 10 bucks, bro. I'll give it to you, bro. Like, it's yeah, not that right? big deal. And it's real, dude. Like, we, we it, it's, when we go out to restaurants or, or, you know, we're out drinking, we all fighting for the check. Like, no, nah, man, I'll pay. Right. No, I'll pay. So, it's, it's cool, man. Like, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing, man. It gets, it gets me in the, in the heart. <laughs> Yesterday, I had to go help a brother who got in a, a little fender bender. So I had to uh, uh, pick him up and take him to his car where it was left while he waited for a tow truck, right? So the tow truck comes. We're t- talking and laughing over his little fender bender and this and that, having a good time, making the best. Anyhow, he gets back in my car. I've got to drive him someplace else, and I needed gas. So I go up to the gas station, slide my card, and that account was – almost overdrawn. I only had a few dollars in there and I didn't have the time to call my bank to transfer it from one account to another. Okay. It just wasn't convenient to do that. I needed to get him on his way. So I'm like, crap, I'm feeling a little embarrassed, but my brother's sitting shotgun. I'm going to ask him if he's got any cash. I'm like, Hey brother, sorry. My, my card's almost overdrawn. I don't got the time to, to call and transfer. Got any money I could borrow for, for gas. Pulls out 20 and says, keep it. I'm like, Right? <laughs> Where does that happen? Where can you rely on that in life? Very yeah. few. Very that, few. That generosity, the generosity, yep. and, and the, the selflessness to be able to help somebody out like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a quick story. Uh, you know, and and one thing I definitely, I definitely, definitely want to ask because it's you know. I don't know. It's mostly because I've seen some people get initiated now, and that just that look on their face, like the look, they come out and you're like, "Oh shit, dude, what's up, bro? Like, yo, you did it! Like, oh my god!" Like, I've seen I've seen somebody who I was petitioning with. You know, they walked on the other side. They made their bones. They got it. Like, you know, and and so I now so I know now for him that's probably his fondest memory of masonry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like joining the brotherhood, somebody who he was, you know, people who he's grown up with as a part of this lodge, you know, it's, it's a tender moment. Well, you know, let's, I'll start with you, Scott. Like, what do you, what would you consider to be maybe your favorite moment of masonry so far, so far, we'll say so far. Wow. Uh, to nail down one as a favorite would be really difficult. I can tell you about my initiation some more. 
kind of like going off what you said. When I came out, I felt great. And when the men came around to congratulate me, introduce themselves, tell me about how they knew my family member, a couple of them said, you know, you'll only be initiated into Freemasonry once in your life. You never have to go through it again, right? And he said, there's a lot of practice that goes on with the members to get ready for anybody's initiation. We put in a lot of effort, study, and practice going through this ceremony. It's kind of like role playing, okay? So they put on an act, so to speak. And you're the observer, and sometimes you're involved. And you have to play this role, and they have to play their roles, and they nail it. And when they nail it, not only are they happy that I gave a good ceremony for you, because it left you with proper impressions about what this really means, they're congratulating themselves around me, too. Hey, remember when I said this? I really nailed it this time from the practice. Or remember when I walked this way? I really did well. And it makes an impression on you that, they love what they do, and they really want to offer that and spread that to future generations so that they will hopefully pass that on. That is impressive. That's, that's love and intent and hopeful wishes for the, for the new candidate, and it's also support for each other while they go through this together to put it on for me or anybody else who goes through. That's impressive. I don't remember seeing that in, in high school acting classes or anything like that. It may have happened, but it seemed different. So, and then that was the first degree, right? And I went through the second degree, and it is a beautiful degree. Each degree that you go through, and as people may know, there's three degrees in masonry. The first is the initiation, and then you get, after that, you become a fellow craft, and there's an initiation for that. And it's a beautiful, a lot of history in that. Excuse me. And then the last one, when you're made a master mason, it's the most involved and longest ceremony somebody could probably ever go through. Okay. And there's a lot of involvement. There's a lot to memorize. You got to know your footwork. You got to know all these things. And then when you're done with that and you feel like you've accomplished this great thing, because there, there's no more degrees to do, you've reached it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why it's one of the most important ones. They're all equally important. But when you're a master mason, you're done. Then you can do anything in law. You can vote on things that uh, new legislation that may come up with anything regarding lodge and functions. You can make proposals. You can start joining the officers line and start giving back to your lodge and its members or the new members who may come through. It's just full of opportunity. So I really am impressed with each and every degree and the work that goes on before you show up. It's, it's just phenomenal. So my favorite part is being the candidate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that's, that's gotta be, I mean, for, for a lot of people, you know, when I'm, when I'm, just when I'm listening for, and for a lot of people, like I always feel like either, it's always like the beginning of something is usually, usually like a, a good tinder spot for them. You know, it's because it's the start of something new or it's the start of, a, you know, like the next journey or something. And, yes. um, and, and Renee, how about yourself? What would you consider one of your favorite moments from masonry? I think it's just the recognition my kids gave me, you know, like, that they saw me go through a change. You know, I was a single dad, too, you know, to two boys. And, like, I keep touching on that subject where, like, these two kids are watching me. I got to make sure I'm a good role model for them. I want them to be a good 
you know, the husband, a good worker. Like I want them. It's a reflection of me how they grow up. And you know, uh, we have a saying is that, is that making good men better, and it's definitely helping me achieve that goal. And changing the world to be a better place, one man at a time. Mm-hmm. And you know, and even thinking, you know, I have a son. I I have a son, so it hits. That's, you know, if I could bring him to a place, if I can bring him around other men, who who can not only ensure, you know, to make him better, but to make his dad better. Yeah. You know, because even if he never chose the life of Freemasonry, if he never chose to even acknowledge it. At least I know there'll be a watchful eye. You know, one and then two, his dad will be better. I, I could always be a better dad, I'll always be a better, you know, a better a better me for him, which still works out either way it goes. So it's a win-win situation, you know, so why not? Um, and so and quickly, you know, how how did how did you guys first cross paths and how and and how did that all get started? Just hanging out with the Chat Island boys. <laughs> Scott was part of it. I was secretary at the time, I think. And yeah, man, like, I think like we met and then like we went to San Francisco for communication and <laughs> we stuck in the car for, we, we got to know each other pretty good. Yeah, we did. So it, it was fun. The ground communication is really fun. And uh, that's where any master mason through any lodge in the state of California can come to have their one time a year meeting and they go through the rules or things like that. It's a, it's a huge business meeting and it lasts for basically a weekend and the business meeting is fine. Then afterwards, all these brothers are walking the streets of San Francisco and you'll go into a restaurant or a bar or a hotel lobby room. There's all these guys you recognize from the meeting or somebody's wearing a Masonic shirt and we all are really cool to each other. It's, it's a really a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that's got to be one of the that's got to be one of the things I'm most excited for, like just being able to, you know, go out and about because even even the time I've been hanging out in Oxnard, I've gotten to meet people from Channel Islands. And it's exciting just thinking like, yo, I can walk the streets and literally bump into one of these guys right now, like in and have a party like, yo, what's up, dude? Like, like I'm with my family now, you know, or so just to even think that you guys have done this for so long and, and have done this at such, at such levels. Like it's, that's really cool to hear to be able to just walk in the streets of San Francisco, you know, with a bunch of people and yep. be like, Hey, what up, dude? Hey, what's cracking? Where are you from? You know, we're all brothers here. Um, yep. I've uh, bumped into brothers who work in casinos in Vegas. They've come up to me out wearing a Shriners jacket, right? And they say hi and shake your hand and introduce themselves, tell, we both tell stories about, you know, the lodge, where we're from. And in Vegas, this one, this one guy, he's, he's like, you know, that bank over there, he was a mechanic for uh, uh, slot machines. He's like, we just fixed all those over there. They got updated. Go check them out. I was like, that's awesome. You get tips for gambling. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Um, guys, um, Guys, I'm having to to pack this up. I don't know if you guys can see. I'm, I'm I got the news playing right here, and we got a storm rolling in. So it's uh, there right. like a whole like tornado thing going on. But before we do that, before the before the world ends, I want to say first thing, first and first and foremost, thank you guys for coming on the show. Like I, 
Scott, I admire you so much already. And Renee, hearing your story and hearing about, you know, how you're doing this for your kids is, you know, is, is admirable to say the least. Um, and, and I hope we get to have more chats, dude. And while I'm out here in Florida, uh, yeah, that's why the weather is shit. I'm out here in Florida, but we're uh, Florida. I, I hope we can maybe have another conversation even before I get home, dude, and do this all again when I get back to Cali. Yeah. Well, where in Florida are you? I'm in Pensacola. I'm in Pensacola, Florida right now. So, um, dude, shout out to both of you guys. Is there anything that you guys would like to say before we sign off for the evening? Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Look forward to meeting you in person now. We get out here, let me in. Get home okay. safe. Drive safe. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're just saying for us to get ready for some nasty weather. So I'd hate for me to lose signal and lose this conversation, dude. So I, I definitely want to make sure I save it and lock it in. Um, All right. We'll get a part two soon. Scott, I'll give you a text. Again, right thank, thank you, brother. Right. And I hope to see you on the other side of the doors one day, man. Yeah, cool, for sure, brother. Peace. All right, you guys. Later.